0: Welcome to Women's Hoops and Talks, the what podcast, where we are elevating the voice of women
1: in basketball. I'm Tara. And I'm Cassidy. Thank you so much for listening today. We've got a great show coming up. Our guest today is Britt, a.k.a. Robotista, back for an encore performance. Last time she was here, we talked all about the CBA, and today she's going to be helping us with Free agency terminology
2: Britt, welcome back to the show Thanks for having me, I'm happy to be back
0: well, We are really glad to have you There is a big storm going on So if anybody hears crashing Or if we get cut off We will deal with it <laughs> um, It's a dark and stormy night Here in Portland In the end of June um, But let's go ahead and get started Before we lose power <laughs> Cassie, do you want to start us off with the icebreaker?
1: Yeah, so I've been thinking as Portland and other cities across the league are welcoming new players, I'm kind of wondering if you had to suddenly just start living in a whole new city, what would be kind of the first thing that you'd want to try to find besides like housing?
2: Um, yeah, so I'm probably a little bit... Um simple so i would probably just try to find the nearest um grocery store to get some food um cuz usually when you go to a new place your you know your um refrigerators not stocked to say the least so that's probably the first thing i would probably go and try to do how about how about you Cassidy okay so
1: surprise surprise my first thing is definitely going to try to find the best coffee shop i can <laughs> nearby I cannot live without coffee, cannot live without a cafe nearby. And so that is definitely what I would be finding first, wherever I would be placed.
0: That was totally going to be my answer. So now I have to go one, uh, because coffee is very important to me. I don't know nearly as much about it as Cassidy does, but I know that I need to have it. Um, So I think another thing that I might look for in my new uh, uh my new location after a grocery store and coffee cuz those are both brilliant answers is a park cuz i grew up close to a park and so for me it was like super natural to uh go over to the park and when my when we had little kids we would always go find the park right away so i think that's probably the first thing that i would do
1: yes that's cool sounds like a good first day in a city right there <laughs>
0: I know. I know. It would be be exciting. Well, let's talk about a few things that have been going on around the NBA before we get into our uh, CBA glossary. The first thing is it is or was finally awards seasons. Uh, (laughs) Did either of you watch the awards? I will admit that I did not.
2: No, I did.
1: I watched the entire thing in all of its (laughs) infinite... um, (laughs) infinite uh I guess entertainment in a way. I it was I don't know. What was the highlights for you? Uh, um Hassan, Hassan Minaj was definitely the highlight. It was it was a mess. But it was also really funny and there were some weirdnesses. But I think just seeing players be really excited uh to win awards and kind of getting a recap of the season a little late. Um yeah, I think if they're gonna do this, they gotta include playoff awards too I guess I don't know what they need to do they need to do it earlier but yeah that's my opinion on
0: that. who had the who had the most memorable outfits of the evening
1: oh oh Bill Walton was wearing a golf polo oh my like God. everyone else is fully <laughs> dressed and Bill Walton is there in a green like golf shirt looking like he's just ready to go find the nearest like bar to hang out and maybe play some golf and it was hilariously ridiculous but yeah he's just that uncle isn't he Mm -hmm. he definitely (laughs) is um yeah oh boy
0: well how about uh brits i know that you are a houston rockets fan so i'm wondering if you thought there were any snubs in the awards this year uh
2: i mean i could talk about james harden i think the mvp award um Was I guess it was definitely deserving um, that Giannis received the award, Um, but based on the accolades that James had, I felt like that was the biggest snub, but maybe that's just my bias talking.
0: (laughs) Um, You know, one of the things I think that is so hard about these awards is that like there's nothing specific that they're supposed to be graded on, you know? So it's like if you're grading someone's paper and you're like, yeah, I like this paper a, but you know, you don't have like a rubric to go down. I'm big on rubrics. Um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> you know, there it, there, it doesn't seem like there's a clear one for the MVP and I don't know, maybe they don't, maybe they don't need one. I don't know. Cassidy, what do you think about how the MVP is selected? Or how did you feel about the selection this
1: year? I think, I just don't really understand what it is based on. And I do get, like, celebrating. But I think each player to their franchise should be their MVP. And so I think there's always going to be arguments. Like, I'd argue Damian deserves to be MVP. But I think that Giannis had an amazing year. And it was a It was fun to watch, and the way that affected his entire team was definitely a huge impact. And so, I don't know. It's just a weird—it's a weird thing to pick, like, one player of all these great players based off of something we don't really—you can't quantify.
0: Well, so I did a little research into some of the other lesser-known awards that were given out that night, and, um, one of them I found out actually does appear to have a rubric, which I, I was like, really? So the Hustle Award, which was won this year by Marcus Smart, actually does have a rubric. And I think it was, ba- it's based on the NBA.com hustle stats. And that's like, they do a aggregation of whoever you know has the most outstanding stats based on the nba.com's hustle you know stats page you know hustle stats which I guess maybe that was a way to like get people to go use those stats and take them seriously or whatever but I was like really of all of all of them that's the one that has a rubric okay (laughs) you know because hustle is always the thing they're like that's the heart you know that's the grit but it's like also apparently for the awards purposes the one that they measure I just thought that was interesting
2: (laughs) Yeah, I, I didn't realize that it had a rubric at all.
0: Well, so I, I read a couple of – I'm like 90% sure it does because I read. had to read a couple of articles and there was one that was written by – uh, so Marcus Smart was the winner and so there was an article in um, you know, the Boston newspaper that um, said that the NBA has a rubric and so then I followed that link. To an article on NBA.com's site about the previous year's winner, who I am not remembering off the top of my head. And in that explanation, it said, you know, the Hustle Award is based on, you know, these stats. So that's where I'm getting that they actually have a rubric. But it's the closest thing that I've ever seen anyone to saying, this is how we grade the winner of this award. hmm <laughs> Um. So yeah, and when it also when it came to executive of the year, I kind of thought Masai Ujiri got snubbed on that. Yep. the The winner of that was John Horst from the Milwaukee Bucks. They got a lot of awards this year, which I understand that they had a fantastic year, especially compared to where they were a year previous. Um, but like
1: Masai landed kawaii which won them the championship Mm -hmm. (laughs) i thought that and they did a late trade that helped them tremendously that is such a good point
2: yeah i I guess i sort of um i i would say i would sort of disagree i thought horse was a really good candidate for executive of the year um and then as a reminder the executives so presidents um, GMs are the ones who select the executive of the year. That's the only award that media members do not um, do the selections for. Uh-huh. Um, I guess besides the hustle award, if they're just <laughs> using stats. But anyway, um, the reason why I think Hearst was a good um, selection is because um, he he made a lot of smaller moves that. Over the last couple of years, have been a huge impact. So, um, the addition of Chris Militon, the addition of Bledsoe. And I think the other thing that people forget as well um, is that all these awards are, um, you know, regular season awards. I definitely think if we included the postseason as part of the awards, Yujiri um, U- would definitely win as executive of the year because he basically brought in the single piece that got them, you know, an NBA championship. So, um, I, I guess that sort of goes back to what Cassidy was saying: is that we there probably should be some postseason awards, and that would probably give some flavor to the NBA awards as well.
0: One other little bit of news that is um particular to Portland is Portland actually participated in a big, a pretty pretty big trade: Evan Turner of the Trailblazers, which traded to Atlanta for Kent Bazemore. Cassidy, what were your thoughts when you heard about this trade?
1: Um, Sadness. I love E.T. I have watched E.T. since he was in Boston, and I think he's a fascinating human. He was so great off the court, on the court, the, the leadership. I'm really sad to see him go. I hope that he shines in Atlanta and I'm excited to see what Bazemore can do. He seems really great, and uh, based on the press conference, I think he's going to be a fun person to have in Portland.
0: Yeah, he's somebody who's been on, um, you know, on the mines or in the trade machine for mm-hmm. Blazers for a couple of years. But the weird thing about it is, is I mean the summer of 2016 is going to live on forever. And one of the Ooh. loudest complaints for the last three years from Blazers fans has been about Evan Turner's contract. And as people got to know him and started to appreciate the things that he did for the team, they, uh, you know, that quieted down a little bit, but it never went away because people were really very stuck on how much money he was making and how that had a ripple impact for the rest of the team. Uh So I always assumed that if, tr- that if Evan Turner got traded, it would, he would be traded in such a way that it would change the salary cap situation for the trailblazers. And they actually <laughs> traded him for somebody who makes a million dollars more a year than him and is on the exact same like, timeline. <laughs> so I was very confused by that. Um, Britt, I don't know if you followed any of the Evan Turner Kent More trade. Did, did any of that, you know? trickle down to you (laughs)
2: um well yes so there's a little bit of background when it comes to Houston so Dara Mori who is the GM of the Rockets had um Kent Bazemore as a potential target for trades for at least two seasons so when I heard that um Bazemore was getting traded for Evan Turner I was actually pretty um disappointed because he is a really good defensive player um I think I mean, I know um, you guys may have more of a like a personal, you know, feeling about it, but when it comes to the trade, I think it's actually pretty good for both teams. I know that from a salary cap perspective, it doesn't really do much when it comes to changing the ledger in any way, but it does provide a difference in personnel, um, especially for you know for the Trailblazers, where your salary cap si- situation is a lot more strict since. Um, you're near the um, luxury tax line and it's going to be harder to, you know, potentially get new players, especially if, um, you know, certain things come down the line, such as uh, a certain player getting signed to the Supermax. So uh, I guess I was sort of disappointed from a Houston perspective, but I can understand why it was sort of surprising to some Trailblazer fans that, you know, um, he, uh, Turner was traded for, you know, someone who's making um, a slightly more than he is at this point.
0: Well, and it's an interesting point what you say about, you know, uh, the the basketball-wise fit because that's something that's come up a lot is that Bazemore, with his shooting and his defense, um, fits more into the system that Portland has. And that's kind of been one of the things about Evan Turner over the years is that his game never quite fit into the Portland system the way that it did when he was in Boston. So I guess, you know, you know, so there were times this year where he played very little and he maybe took just a couple of shots. He handled the ball and he, you know, was doing some of those things that don't necessarily get tracked in the box score, but he wasn't playing a ton of minutes. And so at least in this situation with Baysmore, it sounds like potentially a player who's, you know, making a considerable amount of money, You will be playing a lot so i guess if people are looking at value that way although of course you know there are guys that we value for many more things than just how much money they're making and how they're playing on the field but you know what i mean is that like his fit might be better and so when you're looking at having to squeeze as much as you absolutely possibly can out of your salary cap situation uh baysmore may you know a, could be a better deal i guess for portland
1: yeah 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 it's still sad <laughs>
0: i know i know i it's real i like i just all day yesterday i was just like kind of down in the dumps about it because evan turner is so entertaining and he just seemed like such a genuine like he's one of those people that like you know, said whatever was on his mind. And so people were always, like, on the button to like, um, you know, censor if the swear (laughs) words were coming out. And and he's also one of those people that just weird stuff happened to all the time. I loved it. (laughs) Sometimes, like, like, really weird stuff. Like, I don't know. Semi-trucks.
2: Yeah, I mean. Falling
1: in pools. (laughs) Did you hear about that one, Britt?
2: No, I actually didn't.
1: Yeah, a semi-truck fell into his pool at his house. Oh my like, gosh. Off that's the, and yeah, it was not good. And, but him and the blazers photographer, um, sat on his deck with a drone and flew around and got pictures of it. And it was, it was an epic storyline in <laughs> Portland.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, Evan Turner sat there in a silk, um, satin boxing robe with custom made slippers. <laughs>
1: oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, Everything.
0: Yeah. Well, and then yeah. there was another time where he and Brooke Olsendam, who's the sideline reporter, came across a woman who had, a, a woman who was driving in front of Brooke got into a car crash. And so Brooke pulled over to, like, attend on the scene and E.T. was driving by. And so he pulled over, too. So Brooke Olsendam and E.T., like, helped this poor young woman who'd gotten in a crash on the freeway and stayed with her while they were waiting for the police to come and everything. And it's just like... Just weird things happen <laughs> with mm-hmm. Evan Turner. It's very strange. So but uh yeah, I too am looking I, I always I kinda I try to temper my sadness over losing a player with like this is this means that there's gonna be one new guy in the family that we get to know about. And from yeah. everything I've heard about Basemore, he seems pretty interesting.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's the hardest thing about talking about trades is that there is a human component, but then we're also talking about a business decision. So it's hard mm-hmm. to sort of figure out how to say that in the best light without sounding, um, I guess, callow or, um, you know, just mean about it.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm glad you brought that up because, I mean, I try to be really conscious about what I'm talking about and the words that I'm saying, but sometimes get caught up in, like you said, in the transactional portion of it. And it's like, wait wait a minute, you know, we're, we're talking about like really, really good guys here. So I wish Evan Turner all the best. I hope he has a lot of success in Atlanta, except for when they're playing against Portland. All right. Well, let's move on. Um, one, Like I, we said at the beginning of the show, we brought Britt back because uh, we had questions about free agency. And I thought it would be uh, instructive and helpful to go over some key uh, terms that are often used. And I'm going to tell one little story and then we'll get to it. So about four years ago, when I was really starting to really get deep into this basketball business, and I was listening to the Nate the Dunked On podcast with Nate Duncan and Danny Larue, and they do every year they do like a mock off season where they you know pretend that they're different teams and different agents, and they like pretend that they're you know representing players and what see what's what could possibly happen. So while they were doing this, they are having all these conversations, and they were talking about Emily. And I was like, who's Emily? Like, who's this person, Emily, that they keep talking about? I'm like, there's this woman who seems clearly super involved in basketball, and I have no idea who she is. Who is Emily? And so, of course, (laughs) after listening to it for a while, I realized that it wasn't a woman named Emily. It was M-L-E, the (laughs) mid-level exception. So every year doing free agency, I say, you know, I give a little, you know, high five to the imaginary Emily. Um because I just think one of the things that we do is that the more we talk about basketball, the more we get used to it, the more we learn about what happens, we sort of forget Um, that there was a time where we never really understood these terms. And I thought maybe if we have some listeners who are just getting into basketball or have been been into it for a couple of years, but not into like the off season and want to learn some more, I thought it would be uh, a good idea to just kind of go over some of these terms so they don't have an Emily moment, just like I did. (laughs) (laughs) So... With that in mind, with me having like embarrassed myself with this, <laughs> let's start off with the the looming, the big looming question. And that is, let's talk about let's what, how do you define the salary cap?
2: Okay, so the salary cap is the dollar amount that is set per team that can be spent to acquire players. So, you know, more or less. A budget that is given to all 30 teams across the NBA that they have to uphold to. Um, Most major sports organizations have this as a means to evening the playing field. So the NBA, of course, that's what we're talking about today, as well as the um, NFL, NHL has um, a salary cap. Um, The one sport or major sports league in north america that doesn't have one is the mlb um which is sort of interesting and why you see these you know 300 million dollar contracts for a single player across 10 years um but in general it you know like i mentioned it's just the maximum amount that a team can use to acquire the players that they need for an entire season
1: awesome i'm gonna be learning along with everyone else today for sure um (laughs) So what does it mean when people are referring referring to a hard cap?
2: Uh, So uh, like I mentioned before, the salary cap is, you know, the budget that the team has in order to spend. But in the NBA, uh, the NBA has a soft cap system. So that means that um, when a team goes over the set salary cap amount, They have the ability through several exceptions that we'll um, probably talk about a little bit later that they can add um, additional players using exceptions to be able to go above the salary cap that is currently in place. So right now the salary cap is $109 million or is estimated to be as of July 1st. So anyone who goes above that amount, they can um, add additional players but um, there is a um, three major uh, stipulations to that soft cap. You can have a soft cap for as long as you want and you can spend practically as much as you want. However, if you go um, and do three things, it can cause you to be hard cap. So that means that um, you can't spend more than, a maximum amount. It causes you to not be able to spend any more than um, what the maximum amount that the NBA provides. Um, so in this case, the um, when a team is hard capped, they can only have a maximum salary that is six to $7 million um, above the maximum salary cap amount for um, the MBA. Um, and that's without exceptions. So they can't use any of the um, existing exception structures that are in place to get new um, players. If they do acquire players and that causes them to go over the hard cap, there are very major um, consequences to it. Um, The NBA can force teams to um, trade those players again or trade any players on their team in order to get below the salary um, to the um, hard cap max. Um, The um, teams can also be fined as a result. And then they can also have a reduction in draft picks as a result of going over a hard cap, um, which doesn't happen if they go above the salary cap and they're not hard capped.
0: So a a soft salary cap means that, okay, I like how you said it was a budget. Like, here's the budget. Okay, so we spent the budget, but we went a little bit over. Well, okay, if you're going to go a little bit over, we're going to give you some restrictions on how you can do anything else. But we're going to give you a couple exceptions because you still need to, like, build your team. So that's kind of like how a soft cap works But then if you're like, no, I'm just going to keep spending my money, then um, under various different circumstances, you get hard capped, which means that, like, no, you actually can't spend any more money. You have no other money to spend no matter what. We're, like, not going to let you spend it. And if you try to, we're going to fine you.
2: Yes. And it's – or fine you – make you trade players, um, multiple players, in fact, um, as many players as it causes are in order for the team to be, um, to go back below the hard cap line. I mean, it's super strict. It's probably <laughs> one of the strongest um, business-related stipulations that the league has. Okay.
0: So what are, what are some of these exceptions that you talked about? So, um you know, including my beloved Emily, um, what are, so as far as I understand it, like the trailblazers right now are over the salary cap. So they have some limited exceptions that they can use to add more players to the team as free agents. So what are some of the, the exceptions that the blazers can use and what are some other ones that, you know, that other teams can use as well?
2: So um I guess we'll actually start out with the um ML- <laughs> Emily or um, Emily as you were assuming it was. My dear the, sweet Emily. Yes, but the mid-level exception allows for players to sign um uh, players that are for a certain amount of money. So um I guess we can sort of explain it as there being three tiers of Um, Types of salaries. Um, Of course, it is a lot more diverse, but we'll use three as a standard example. There are the high end salaries, um, such as, you know, the max contracts, the super maxes, um, the salaries that most um, superstars receive. There are the low level contracts. So, those are usually rookie scale contracts for the first two or one to three to four years of uh, NBA players' development, as well as veteran minimums. So, you know, once a player gets above uh, 12 or 10 to 12 years, they can go and get a veteran minimum. And then there's the MLE. So, the MLE is for all those players who are in the middle of their careers that aren't the superstar levels, but they are, you know, um, I would say like a mixture of journeymen and role players. So the Emily allows for, um, a, percentage of the salary cap to be used that can um, be split up multiple ways or used in one bunch to sign a player for a year or multiple years. So, um, for instance, I'll use a example for the Rockets. Um, Austin Rivers, he, um, came or he was traded to the Houston Rockets, um, earlier this year. Um, he was originally in, um, or he was traded to the Grizzlies and then um, they released him and Houston used a part of their mid-level exception to sign him for the rest of the 2018, 2019 season. Um, The mid-level exception has two varieties to it. There is the taxpayer MLE and then there's the non-taxpayer. The taxpayer MLE is a lot less compared to the, um, non-taxpayer. Um, that's because, um, you know, like we were mentioning before, once you do go over the salary cap, the NBA wants to prevent teams from overspending. Um, so they usually, as a result, have a lot of consequences, including reducing the amount of money that you can spend as part of your mid-level exception and a few other exceptions as well. Um, another one of these, you um, that you can you know sort of keep in mind as well is the biannual exception um the biannual exception is also an exception that can be used by any team in the league um and that can be used every other year but when you use a bi-level exception um and you're over the salary cap and actually over the luxury tax line that's when um one of the triggers for having a hard cap occurs so um an example of this is also from the rockets is pj tucker um so um in 2017 2018 the um, rockets were in luxury tax line but they wanted to give pj tucker the um this you know the salary that they thought he deserved as part of his contract so they decided that they would go ahead and go into the heart um go into a hard cap situation in order to provide P.J. um, PJ Tucker a um, biannual exception, which is above the monetary amount, is above the mid-level exception in this case. Um, But then as a result, they were hard capped and they had to keep below the hard cap line.
0: So can can teams who are over the salary cap use either the mid-level exception or the biannual exception or can they use both?
2: So they can use both, but it depends on the situation. So um, the mid-level exception can be used at any time at uh, as long as they don't use it up, once they use all that money, they can't use it anymore. Um, so it's a, um, it can be split up multiple ways. Um, so you can have five team or five players that are all signed under a part of the MLE. Um, more likely, it's usually closer to two or three players that are signed under a MLE contract um, or one player that gets all of that bucket of money. Um, The the BLE, um, like I mentioned, though, can only be used every other year. So you can have one year where you don't use the BLE and then you can have and um, and just use the MLE and then you can have one year where you use both. Um, But then the consequences are, you know, severe when you're over the salary or the luxury tax and you use that um, BLE versus if you're under the um, salary cap. Um, under luxury tax, then there isn't any um, consequences when you do that.
1: Okay, so we've mentioned the luxury tax a few times, and I'm wondering exactly what is the luxury tax and where is all this money going? Because it seems like it's a lot of money.
2: <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. So it is a lot of money, um, and the luxury taxes. Basically a penalty system that the um, NBA has utilized. So it provides um, a consequence to teams who spend above uh, the salary cap line the salary cap is not the same as the luxury tax line. Um, a lot of people assume that it is, but it really isn't. So if you spend a dollar above the salary cap, you're not going to automatically go into luxury tax and you're not going to pay that luxury tax figure. Um, what actually happens is that there's a separate apron what they use um, for the jargon for the luxury tax line. That basically is 53.51%. I'm not sure how they got that exact number, probably from the sky, but it's 53.51% above the salary cap um, line. Um, So any team that goes above that, that's when the consequences that we've sort of talked about throughout the podcast so far happens. And what happens is that that, um, luxury tax money is collected and redistributed with, um, to all other teams that did not, um, go into the luxury tax. So for instance, last year, eight teams, um, at the end of the season were above the luxury tax line. Um, so as a result, those eight teams, um, all the luxury taxes that were calculated for those teams will be distributed among the 22 other teams um, to be used for their next year's um, salary cap. Okay. Okay.
0: If a team goes over the salary cap, so let's say the salary cap is like, let's just keep it easy. Let's say the salary cap is, you know, $100 and a team has... Spent a hundred and you know, uh, five million building their roster. They have, you know, they, they are limited in the way that they could spend any more money if they want to continue to build their roster, but they're not on the hook for a big luxury tax unless they are so far over the. Salary cap that they are then in that luxury tax category, yep, whatever it would be.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yes, 120 or exactly. whatever.
0: Okay, so they aren't monetarily punished until they get over that luxury tax line,
2: yes, and then and
0: it starts piling up,
2: yes. So, that's why, um, uh. If you I'll use another Houston Rockets example is that um, and this pretty that this probably angered a lot of Rockets fans is that um, the owner of the Rockets um, um, are decided that the team shouldn't go over the luxury tax because they would go into repeater tax territory. And we can talk about that in a second. But more or less what they did was they um, implemented trades so that they could get themselves slightly below the luxury tax line, still above the salary cap, but below the luxury tax line, so that they wouldn't go into repeater tax territory. So um, you can see as that example is that there are teams that are really reluctant to go over the um, luxury tax amount Because they, you know, first of all, they get um, taxed even greater than, you know, what is usually um, done for, you know, regular teams. And then, you know, ultimately that comes out of the stakeholders or uh, ownership group, um, you know, money that they're providing to the team. So, you know, depending on how, I guess, open pocket the ownership groups are um, depends on if they want to spend all that money or not
0: the repeater tax. Can you talk about that?
2: Oh yes. So the repeater tax is another consequence of being over the luxury tax line. So the repeater tax happens when you are over the luxury tax line for three of the last four seasons. This is a new addition to the, um, CBA, um, the collective bargaining agreement. We talked about this in the last um, podcast, but, um, it was a direct result of the Golden State Warriors being able to sign Kevin Durant. Um, the league and the Players Association made agreements so that it would be harder for teams to be able to get major superstars. And one of these consequences is the repeater tax. So before, um, teams like the Mavericks and a few other teams would just live in luxury tax territory for years and years and years, and there wasn't any consequence. They would get they the... Luxury tax penalties were still there, but um, you know they were relatively you know minor, um, and you know teams were sort of okay with that. But with the new repeater tax, um, it basically quadruples the amount of taxes from above the luxury tax line. There are, like we mentioned before, there are sort of there's tax rates that teams have to pay. Um, Non taxpayers non-repeater taxpayers and repeater taxpayers. So for a team that is under the salary cap, they don't pay any taxes whatsoever. There is no tax rate for them, you know, relatively speaking, of course, in the back end of the business, there's a lot of taxes that are paid to the state and the, you know, in the um, federal government. And for instance, for Toronto, their Providence and so once you do hit that luxury tax line and have to pay taxes, the tax rate is a dollar. Um, so for every dollar that uh, um, a luxury tax team that is non-repeater has to pay, um, they have an additional tax rate of one um, $1.50. So they, for every dollar that they pay, they have to... Um, Multiply that by 1.25 or 1.5, and that is added onto their salary cap value as well. So you can see that it starts ballooning up as you add um, more and more dollars. And of course, it's not you know single dollars; it's millions of dollars. And the other thing that happens too is that it is a um, incremental system. So if you go over a certain amount in your in the luxury tax. Then the tax rate increases more.
0: It adds up fast once you get over. Has yeah. anybody actually ever paid the repeater tax?
2: No. So Golden State will be the first team that pays the repeater tax. And um, there's a really good article that sort of discusses what the sort of you know process is. But for that repeater tax itself, the tax rate for that that starts at two fifty. So any dollar over the luxury tax that that team is under, they pay a tax rate of $2 and 50 cents. So, you know, almost double the amount of the non-repeater. And then that's, you know, four times as much or I, my math is probably wrong. a lot, a lot more, <laughs> but not tax. And then that goes up as well. So um, the maximum amount that a team can spend or the maximum tax rate that that a team that is over the or um, who is in the repeater tax territory um, will be um, enforced as $4 and 75 cents. And then it, it increases every um, increases 50 cents for every $5 million um, that they go over after that.
0: So basically so. you want to avoid that, that it,
2: yeah. <laughs> at all costs. And um, I mean, spending like three times as much just to keep a single player every single time that you go over
0: okay well i think we should uh move on
1: so damian lillard uh we've heard he's likely to sign a Supermax. what do we need to know about this how long are the terms and what happens which i hope never ever happens is he's traded Okay,
2: so I think we talked about this a little bit on the last time I was mm-hmm. on the show, but just to recap, the Supermax is the nickname for the designated player exception. So it's one of those exceptions that we've, you know, sort of talked about throughout the show um, that allows for teams to go above the um the tax, you know, the salary cap line, in order to sign a player. Um, this was also due to the Kevin Durant moving to the Golden State Warriors. So, you know, a lot of these are, you know, relatively new stipulations within the CBA, and um, when calculating salary cap, it's important. The reason why this was created is that it was supposed to provide an incentive for players to remain on the team that they started at. Um, so, you know, for the um, example of Kevin Durant, they um, the NBA felt like, you know, if there was the incentive of these millions and millions of more dollars that could be provided to Kevin Durant, he may have stayed in OKC instead of taking significantly less to go over to Golden State. So there's a number of eligibility requirements in order to be eligible for a supermax, Um, and as a result, you know there's only a few players who have gotten in those um, those requirements met so far. So you know, so quickly recap on it: you have to be in your eighth or ninth season. So um, Damian Lillard's going to hit that next year. Um, He or they have to be on their current team, or they have to be traded to their current team during their rookie contract. Um so that's why a lot of players such as Chris Paul, um Kevin Durant is another example and a few other players or any player that um I would say you know were outside of their rookie scale contract when the supermax was created they were un- um, ineligible to get a supermax although there are two exceptions that I'll talk about um, momentarily and then the third um sort of uh, stipulation is the most important one, is that you have to, in a three-year period, make um, hit one of two criteria. You have to make an all-NBA team in um, any of those three seasons, which Damian Litter- Lillard has done and um, did do this season as well. So he already matched that. And then you also have to, um, if you don't hit that criteria, you either have to um, get... MVP once or um, be in the or, um, get defensive player of the year twice in a three year period so if you hit any of those sort of three thresholds you don't have to hit all three you have to hit at least one of those criteria um, Then you're um, as well as the two others that I mentioned then that's when you can um, get a super max deal and that's what da- um, Damian Lillard can currently do as of July 1st of this upcoming new season um, and then, um, Cassidy, you asked, you know, what happens when it comes to a Supermax is that um, it is a, an exception. So that means that uh, a player that receives a Supermax contract can be signed for significantly more than what the um, any other team can sign. So uh, we can use the example of uh a uh, Kawhi Leonard. Um, when he was in San Antonio, um, he uh, could have been signed to a supermax contract, um, which would have gave him approximately seventy-seven zero million dollars more compared to him. Um, being um, traded over to Toronto and what they can sign him as a max this season, but he b- decided to forego that and be traded. And of course we know the rest of it is history. Um, as for Damian Lillard, since he hasn't been traded, he probably won't be traded and both sides are, you know, more or less very interested in signing him. That's when they want to, you know, that's, um, you know, around now is the opportunity for them to sign. Um and then I guess we also want to talk about, you know, what would happen if someone wanted to try to trade a super max player, um, which um, I'll say I hope for your sake they would never want to trade Damian Lillard. So I'll use another example. <laughs> That's uh, um, so, Protecting um, John, our hearts.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so Wait so before- John, oh, go ahead. Well, I was gonna say before we go on to I think you're gonna say John Wall. Um yeah. <laughs> um so the, the point of the Supermax is to uh, is to keep a one of these superstar players with the team that they started with or were traded to very, very early in their career.
2: Is yes, that that's so exactly right
0: like um You know, if somebody was, you know, drafted by a team and play with them for a year and then was traded and stayed with that team that they were traded to and then re signed with that team, then by the time they're ready for their third contract, that's when they would be eligible for the Supermax, provided that all the other things that they met.
2: Yes. And that was only a temporary. So the, that was only a short term exception. So, the two, the of, of the current players that have supermax contracts so there's only four players that currently have a supermax contract mm-hmm. um real quickly it's Seth Curry Russell Westbrook um John Wall and James Harden um Russell are uh, um, James Harden was able to get an exception to this because he um, when the new CBA was formed um was currently under his rookie scale contract, and they were able to extend him to a Supermax, even though he was initially traded from OKC to Houston. So, the NBA for approximately two seasons uh, allowed teams to um, negotiate Supermax deals with players that were currently signed. Under or for their team, even if they were traded, um, even if the player was traded before the supermax contract was laid out, as so long that as it was except- during
0: their yeah. a rookie scale contract.
2: Yes, so that um, stipulation can't be used anymore. The only stipulation that can be used now is that they have to be on the same team that they started with um, when they first got into the league.
0: Oh, okay. So now you it, it doesn't even apply if you get get traded. Yes interesting okay sorry now on to John wall yes
2: yeah, so um, I guess as everyone's pro- you know sort of aware um, John wall had you know a series of you know very significant injuries an achilles tear as a result of falling down the stairs because of an injury that he had on his leg um, as a result of basketball um you know uh you know a, a basketball injury um but there has been a lot of discussion of potentially trading John Wall, um, for, uh, you know, and his contract to another team in order for the Washington wizards to, um, uh, get less or to reduce their luxury cap, um, situ- or luxury tax situation. Um, uh, so the reason why it's extremely hard to even try to trade them, um, and so far, it hasn't happened. Well, first of all, it, why it hasn't happened is that um, it's only really been around for about three seasons. Um, many teams usually don't like to acquire um, t- or players that have huge salary amounts because then that will cause them to go into either the above the salary cap or into luxury tax um, situations, um, you know, almost immediately.
1: Yeah, or so, they have to
0: like create the room in the first place, which is yeah. what everybody's trying to figure out how to do.
2: Yeah. So, um, usually, you know, what would happen is that they would have to clear out space, basically, you know, completely blow up their entire roster just to make room for a single player. And then they would only have, you know, maybe like 20 or 30 million dollars, which in NBA terms is relatively little to get the other, um, 11 to 14 other spots that you have to have because there is a minimum amount of players that you have to have on your team in order for you to you, uh team not to be penalized by the NBA um so if they don't if you um don't get if a team doesn't have at least um 14 players um by a certain date um uh, then uh the NBA gives a two week window to them and then um, they start getting fined based on off that. So if you only have 20 to $30 million to, you know, sign get,
0: else. yeah, <laughs> sign
2: everyone else. That's, you know, that's really difficult to do. And the other thing that's, you know, sort of, a issue with the the supermax contract is that they're the longest 10-year contracts that can be um, provided to players it's a 5-year contract so you basically have a 5-year hold of anywhere between 35 to 45 or 47 48 million dollars per year um on your books um and since there is isn't an embassy or embassy um it, i guess if people remember um it, or if you don't remember, uh, amnesty was a condition of the CBA, which allowed um, a team to release a player um, and not have to pay their contract, more or less. That doesn't exist anymore as part of this CBA. So the only thing, way you can be able to really remove that salary cap um, a, a situation would be to waive and stretch a player um, which is a lot more restrictive and still has a um, salary cap. Very familiar
0: the- with yeah. waved and stretched yeah.
2: Yeah, like- <laughs> We have yes. a lot of them. <laughs>
0: Waving and stretching a Supermax would be just like, okay. So I didn't realize that there were so few Supermax because when I, I, I'm glad we're doing this because when I hear people talking about this all the time, I hear them talking, you know, throwing around Max and then sometimes it's a Supermax. And in my mind, I didn't really differentiate, but it sounds like there's a big difference between a Max and a Supermax. There's a lot more stipulations that you have to meet, and like very few guys actually, um, uh, qualify for the supermax you know and if and if they do it's extraordinary and it should like give everybody pause because it's like very rare
2: yes and with the max um a lot more players can get that um you know like s- mid-level stars can get that just by being tenured in with the same team for a period of time, Um, there are significantly less restrictions when it comes to maxing out a player. Um, That's why sometimes when, you know, a certain player gets maxed out, people are like, Hey, that's a really bad deal. Or, you know, say that it's, you know, bad for the particular team because they may, you know, opinions, of course, saying that they may not um, meet that salary. Um, or that contract that was provided but ultimately it's the team's responsibility to make that you know choice to sign a person to a max Um, whereas the super max that has a lot more stipulations and is a lot harder for a player to actually get
0: well and it's weird that the super max it like it come it comes so late in a player's career i mean it's it's pretty it's it's not average that players are in the i mean it's it comes really late in their career and they're getting old i guess is what i'm getting at when mm-hmm. what you know when they're going to be making a bunch of money it's likely that the time where you know their athleticism might start wearing down or they might not be as effective in some other things but i guess the reason they're supermax players is they have lots of other uh, capabilities and things that they can do but it's almost like if you're going to sign someone to the supermax you're going to you just have to deal with the fact that there's going to be a couple of years where they're, you know, 33, 34 years old, especially if you get like a four year college player to start with, um, where they're going to be making a lot of money, but their production might not be what it was uh, before they signed the contract.
2: Yep. And I guess one of the other things you you are, I guess everyone may want to keep in mind is that um, if the NBA decides and it seems more and more likely that um, high school students can go to the NBA directly from um high school, then the age that the supermax will hit will be slightly lower. um oh, that's than, a great like, point. You know, Um than pre- you know previously. Um if the, you know, Supermax does exist by the time the new CBA rolled out. Um I have some sort of uh I have quite a bit of concerns about the Supermax and especially since the last few players that have, you know, Met the criteria to get to supermax, decided to go to another team anyway. It seems like it's not necessarily working as intended.
0: So, there's only a few players this season that are eligible for the supermax,
2: yes. So, um, like we mentioned, Damian Lillard, as well as Giannis, he will be hitting that um, as of this upcoming season. Um, I was actually sort of stunned I guess that's a um, side note that Giannis is um, nearing his um, ninth or his eighth year in the NBA uh-huh. uh, I, he was signed in you know he w- um, was drafted in 2013 I was like has it really been it that long like Yes, <laughs> I know and he still looks so young yeah and the last one is um, that is eligible is Kimba Walker But um, I think everyone knows that there are a lot of rumors that he may not be staying um, with the Charlotte Hornets um, for the next season. And if he does um, the when it comes to the Supermax, I guess the inherent um, I guess the fourth stipulation is that you have to stay on the same team that you're on. You can't get to that threshold with the first three um criteria and then go to another team. As soon as you go to another team, you lose the ability to get a super max.
0: But could you let's say not that this would have there's no I, there's no good reason that this would happen, I guess, but could you be signed and traded
2: <sighs> with a super max? I in theory, you can. I, I just don't think that a team would take. It doesn't off. make any sense. Yeah, it doesn't make <laughs> sense financially because they would, uh, especially for higher tier teams that are currently in the luxury tax situation. Um, because um, you know, we were mentioning before that there are, um, there are certain stipulations that cause a hard cap. A sign and trade. Is one of the stipulations that can cause a hard cap. And having a mm. super max player that you sign and trade to another team, they instantly get hard capped, and then they have to somehow spend whatever little amount they have left in their salary cap or their hard cap situation in order to sign another, you know, um, twelve to thirteen players. So
0: if a team decides to do that, they got bigger problems. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, got, they got they need a new front office
1: and that's what they yes.
2: do <laughs> yes they it would definitely be a very much last resort sort of thing and i don't think it would ever happen in any sort of event um they would. Uh, it would be easier for that team to just wait for that player to not sign because usually when someone's going into the supermax, they're at the end of their um, second, you know, their second round of contracts. They're going into their third contract um, cycle, um, and they're usually either restricted or um, unrestricted free, free agents. Um, So as a result, they don't have, you know, the team could basically just wait a year or wait until the end of their contract and then sign them then. Um, So why would you, you know, sign and trade for someone under a supermax in that way?
0: Well, this supermax uh, uh, is a much bigger deal than I really understood. So um, I'm glad that we had, I'm glad we had this talk. (laughs) Um, I still want damien lord to have it and then enjoy the you know reap the rewards of all the amazing work that he has put in and all that he is going to do but i understand a lot more about the implications of it and why people are like does portland really want to assign damien Lillard to supermax and i'm like yeah why not no i like okay i can see why people like would pause a little bit and go
2: mm, is that what we really want to do
0: yes that still is what i really hope they do <laughs>
2: Yeah. And I think the one thing I didn't mention when it comes to Damian Lillard is that he's been incredibly, and I guess knock on wood, um, per- real wood, that he, his injury history has been relatively light. So when it came to John Wall and a few and the other um, people, even Steph Curry, when it comes to the supermax, the real risk is the injury risk that the player has. If, Um, And like you mentioned, since a lot of these contracts do go when they are either heading towards their, they're at the top of their peak or slightly, you know, going downhill towards it, the risk of injury, you know, becomes more and more apparent. And I think that's one of the reasons why I have a lot of concerns about the um, Supermax situation and how it's currently structured, because of that risk. And even though those players definitely do deserve, you know, at that point, especially if they're, you know, multiple time MVPs or single time MVPs, defensive player of the year, all NBA when, you know, only 15 players can get those honors. um, They definitely deserve it. But at the same time, you know, if someone gets hurt in the, you know, for the instance of John Wall, um, you can, you hear those consequences immediately and all the feedback saying that they didn't deserve it. You know when ultimately it was the team's decision to sign that contract. So it's really something that both the team and the player has to think about hard, you know, before making that deal. And if they're okay with, if you know, the worst happens, which I hope you know doesn't happen again, you know, sort of like the John Wall situation. um, What could hurt happen if that player gets hurt or is out for extended period of time for? um, you know, whatever reason, and they're not able to fulfill part or whole of their con- um, contract.
0: Well, I think we should wrap it up here because we have lots to digest. Can um, do you have any other questions, Cassidy?
1: I'm going to need to do some thinking and research. And after I've learned so much now, I have even more questions just opens doors.
2: <laughs> yep. It'd be fun to see what happens July 1st, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, I've, already, I've gotten
0: a lot more uh, context already. Um, Britt, do you want to tell folks how
2: they can find you? Yep, uh, so I am at Britt Robotista on Twitter, and that's usually the only place where I go. So it's B-R-I-T-R-O-B-O... T-I-S-T-A um, right now I'm just posting about my 3D printer that I'm currently building myself so um, nothing necessarily basketball related at least until June 30th slash July 1st when we start hearing all the rumors start you know exploding around the Twitterverse
0: <laughs> right on
1: Cassidy you want to take us out of here yeah that's going to do it for this week's episode of Hoops and Talks podcast don't forget to follow the podcast on Twitter at Hoops and Talks and to sc- subscribe to the show in the Blazer's Edge podcast feed on whatever platform you use to get your podcasts. We love email, so send us an email with your icebreaker ideas, questions, or whatever you want us to know. Our email is talks at gmail.com. You can find Tara at TCB Biggs with two G's and me at Cassidy Gemmet on Twitter. And thanks for listening.